Today we're going to talk about a message the Lord's given me called the secret of our success. Our text is James chapter 5 verses 13 through 18. I, I know this is a bit lengthy, but I want you to notice while we're reading through here, there is a reoccurring word. There is a reoccurring theme that I believe is the part reason for our success in 2018. Everybody wants to be successful. Nobody wants to fail. Let's look at what James talks about. James chapter 5, verse 13. Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Can I read that again? Thank you very much. Listen, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And then James gives us an illustration of Elijah in verse 17. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says two words, quick and powerful, pray continually. Pray continually. Now, you might be sitting there going, you know what, Lynn, that's, that's just basically impossible in my life. There's no way I can be in my prayer closet all the time and praying. How many of you know that you don't have to go into your prayer closet, into your secret pr place to pray? We can be praying all the time. You can pray at work. You can pray while you're at school. You can pray while you're driving down the road. And the way people drive, I have to pray. Amen. Thank you for those. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Pray continually. May God add his blessing to the preaching of the word today, the secret of our success. When you announce a title like that, man, everybody gets up on the edge of their seat. We get all excited. Somebody going to tell us how to be successful because everybody wants to be successful. But when the preacher announces that the way to be successful, the secret is to pray, everybody checks out. It's like mentally we just go, oh, man, I was hoping for something different than that. Listen to what the Word of God says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Listen closely, friends. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Everybody shout pray. And pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Watch this. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, seek my face and pray, then God's going to respond. We believe the word of God. 
we believe that verse. Please consider this with me, friend. Then we also have to believe the opposite of that is true. If we do not pray, we will not hear from heaven, and our land will not be healed. Sounds like it's up to us. Could I challenge you today as you move and transition from one year into a new year and we got these New Year's resolutions and we always do this and we say, can we make a spiritual resolution and stick to it in 2018 that we are going to be people of prayer? Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know like never before, our land needs to be healed. Oklahoma City needs Jesus. Surrounding communities need Jesus. And the Bible said if we pray, God is going to show up. God is going to respond. Let's step into that time of communion and communication with God and be people of prayer. May God help us all. I talk to a lot of new believers about developing their prayer life and praying and Sometimes new believers, maybe some of you struggling too because you think, you know, how do I approach God? How do I talk to God? It's almost like we got to have these fancy words or these big prayers or, or pray in a deep voice or something, you know. I just want you to know you don't have to do all that. Prayer is just communicating with God. Just talking to God like you talk to everybody else. The reality is, though, I know you've been there, too. I have been in prayer time, and I've been around people that are praying. Man, they know these fancy words. Man, they're big words, and they got the right voice, and, man, they sounding all spiritual, and they saying words I don't even know. I'm going to tell you, it condenses my prayer life to, dear Lord, ditto. <laughs> Just what they're saying, that's what I want to say. But here's the good news, friend. You don't have to have fancy words to talk to God. It doesn't have to be in this certain voice. We just communicate with God. Now, here, here's what I know, too. I know there's power in the name of Jesus. I know that. There's power in the name. But I want you to know this, too. This is not praying. And I've heard a lot of people do this. And again, I realize there's power in the name of Jesus. But this isn't praying. I've heard people do this. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Yes, Jesus, Jesus. Well, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I know there's power in the name of Jesus. That's not praying. You're acknowledging you know his name. And I'm sorry, but I get this mental picture of the Lord up in heaven leaned over going, what, 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 what? It's like, talk to me. You know what I'm saying? Talk. If my people will humble themselves and pray. You know what? I'm very honored and blessed that we are a part of a church that's a church of prayer. We believe in prayer. Friends, I, I want you to understand people's church is full of talented people. 
But we also know this. It's going to take more than talented people to reach Oklahoma City and surrounding areas for God. It takes the divine hand of God. You may look around today. Maybe this is your first time here. And you, you see, I want you to understand, yes, People have worked hard to get us here. We, we, we have sacrificed. People have done a lot of things. But I want you to know this is a church that does not neglect prayer. And we know that we are where we are because of God and what he has done. This is a place that calls on God. And we know we are, we are where we are because of him. See, Pastor Herbert announced it. I want to reemphasize to you. If you have never gotten involved in the season of fasting and prayer, I want to encourage you to do so. January 14 through 27, we're going to do 14 days of fasting and prayer here. Would you get involved in that? Be a part of it. During those two weeks from Monday to Friday, we're going to be having prayer meetings at all campuses from 6 to 7 a.m. The two people that were smiling just quit smiling. Amen. Six to seven, we're going to be meeting and we're going to be praying. During that time frame, there are two Saturdays, January the 20th and January the 27th. On those two Saturday mornings, we're going to be coming together 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. for a time of prayer and worship. You might be saying, you know what, Lynn, I've never done anything like that before. I've never prayed. I've never fasted. I've never come together for a prayer and worship service. Could I encourage you to do something this year, friend? Why don't you do something you've never done before and see if God won't do something he's never done before for you? I believe if we stretch out of our comfort zone, out of our normal responses, I believe that God is going to stretch for us and 2018 is going to be a great phenomenal year for for us because we began with fasting and prayer. If my people who are called by my name. Good news, friends. Prayer changes the atmosphere. We sang a song earlier in this service. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Changes the atmosphere. Reminds me of the story in Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas, they've been beaten. They're in stocks. And all of a sudden, Acts 16.25 says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. Everybody say praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. See, it changed the atmosphere. We're not going to take time to read it, but on later in that chapter, we find out that while they were praying, while they were singing praise to God, the jailer fell on his knees and gave his heart to Jesus. You read on through the rest of the chapter and you find out it doesn't just stop there. You find out that he went home, told his whole family about it, and his whole family gave their heart to Jesus because two men in stocks, beaten and bleeding, decided to pray and praise God, change the atmosphere, and a whole family got saved. Help us, God. You see, it not only changes the atmosphere, but it changes people and their circumstances. Second Kings chapter 4, verse 33, the prophet Elisha was summoned. A little boy had died. The Bible said he went in, shut the door on the two of them, and prayed to the Lord. Again, you read on through that chapter and you find out God raised that boy from the dead. 
Who believes there's power in prayer in this house today? They raised him from the dead. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes people. But how many today know the devil don't want you praying? He wants to try to keep you from your time of communing with God. So I'm going to give you what I'm calling five detours around prayer. That the enemy wants to take you around. Number one is distractions. Everybody in the house knows what it is to be distracted. I've done it many times. I've set aside my time for prayer. And I've got down and said, I'm going to talk to the Lord. And I get down and I began to pray. And about the time I start praying, all of a sudden my mind starts thinking about what I got to do. All of a sudden, my to-do list starts going through my mind because the enemy sometimes is a master at distracting us away from what we need to be doing. When we come before the Lord, maybe this will help. Can we focus more on being with God than getting from God? More on being with God than getting from God. I don't know if anybody else in the house is guilty, but I'm going to tell you, I can't tell you how many times in my life I have been convicted in my prayer time because I find myself asking, 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 and I get so caught up in asking God for what I need instead of thanking Him for what I already have. Instead... I get caught up in that sometimes. I want the Lord to forgive me. I want the Lord to help me. I want this to be a year when I focus on being with God in my prayer time. And it's not all, not all about, Lynn, I need, or God, I need this. God, I need that. God, I, I, I just want to come and commune with God. Because when that happens, it turns into a relationship with God. Knowing God and not just knowing about God. There was a famous actor. He had a reputation for having a photographic memory. It was said of him that he could look at a script, read it through one time, and have it memorized. Photographic memory. He was speaking at a banquet. About 500 people were in attendance. And he got up, and he was pretty proud of the fact that he could do that. So he got up and... He just said out to the 500 people, he just said, hey, any piece of literature, anybody give me anything, if I've ever read it one time, I can stand right here and I can quote the whole thing for you. Well, there was a preacher in the crowd. So the preacher just yelled out, Psalm 23. The famous actor kind of stepped back a little bit collected his thoughts, stepped back to the podium, and quoted Psalm 23. He didn't miss a word and didn't miss a line. When he was done, everybody clapped. They were impressed. Then the actor decided he's going to put it back on the preacher. Throws it back. He said, preacher, I want you to stand up now, and I want you to quote Psalm 23. The preacher stood up at the table he was sitting. Quoted Psalm 23, didn't miss a word, didn't miss a line. But when he was done, there wasn't a dry eye in the place. People were weeping and crying. 
the famous actor noticed. He went on and finished his speech, but he had to know. As soon as he was done, he went straight for the preacher. Preacher, I got to know something. Tell me why whenever I quoted Psalm 23, people clapped. When you quoted Psalm 23, everybody was crying. The preacher said, sir, it's very simple. You see, you know the psalm. I know the shepherd. You know the psalm. I know the shepherd. Can I confess to you, ladies and gentlemen, that it is my heart's desire entering into 2018 to not just know the psalm, not just come to church, not just preach about Jesus, but know Jesus, really know Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. I want to have a relationship with the shepherd, you see. Know him, not just know about him. I want to know him more. How does that happen? Communicating with God. Communicating. What if the day I proposed to my wife, I said to her something like this, Diana, I would like to marry you, but I'm probably only going to be with you a couple of weeks a year. Diana, I would like to marry you, but I'm only going to talk to you when I want to. Smile, friends. Pastor Herbert be back next week. <laughs> How many in the house know that would not go over and she would not have agreed to that? But yet sometimes we pick and choose when we want to talk to God. We want a relationship with him without the communication, which does not work. I want to know him. The second detour around prayer is exhaustion. Now, while everybody in the house knows this, everybody knows what it is to be distracted, everybody also knows what it is to be tired. We know what it is to be exhausted. We keep busy schedules. For most of us, it's one thing after another. We're going, we spend a lot of time weary. The reality is the devil uses that to get you out of your prayer time. You're too tired. We're too exhausted. Jesus brought three disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26, 40. He asked them, pray with me. And the Bible said, then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? He said, the process repeated itself in verse number 43. Same thing. They, they tried to pray, but they were so exhausted. How many ever got out of bed in the morning and went to work when you were tired? Lift your hand. I'm going to assume the rest of you just too tired to raise your hand right now. <laughs> yeah? We've all done that, haven't we? In fact, on days like today when it's really cold, it's easier. It's easier. Just, but you honored God by coming to church. 
We all do things we don't feel like doing. We all do things when we're too tired to do them. I'm having more fun than y'all. We do. We get exhausted. Can I encourage you today to stir that up? Can we plan? May God help me plan better. I don't want to give God my tired, exhausted time. I want to give my best to God because God gave his best for me. I want to give him my best. I don't want to be mentally and physically tired, but that's the way the enemy uses. Number three, come on, everybody smile even if you got to fake it. Some of you do. Number three is God's response. Please keep smiling because sometimes we don't pray because we're afraid what God's going to say. I'm feeling awful alone up here. We're afraid he's not going to give us the answer we want. We're afraid that God's going to say no when we want him to say yes. You folks quit smiling now. We're afraid he's going to say yes when we want him to say no. Can I remind you moving into 2018, God's got your very best interest at heart. Nobody loves you like God loves you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for you. If he says no, there's a reason. If he says yes, there's a reason. We're here today not trying to understand God. We're here today to trust God, ladies and gentlemen. And whatever he says is okay. See, it's okay. See, don't let that deter you. Number four, sometimes I think we don't realize its potential. We don't realize its potential. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20 says this. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Can I remind you, people's church, there is power in agreement. There's power in prayer. Sometimes, please don't miss this, sometimes we have to realize it's not about the number of people in attendance, it's about the number of people in agreement. It's not how many people are in the room, it's how many people are agreeing in prayer. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, that when your child wakes you up in the middle of the night with a fever or a sore throat, calls you into the bedroom, you don't have to have hundreds of people around you, but on the authority of the blood of Jesus and the Word of God, you can walk into that room, lay hands on them, and pray for them, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Because it's not about numbers. It's about agreement. See, prayer changes the atmosphere. And our text says, if we pray, people will be healed. Number five, storms of life. Storms of life. Sometimes when a storm hits us, it affects our prayer life, doesn't it? Sometimes when we go through a rough time, we go, we go through a hard time, it pushes us away from God instead of toward God. And the enemy uses those things to deter you around prayer. It happened in the word of God under the reign of David. 
But David refused to let a storm push him away from God. In 2 Samuel 21 in verse 1, the Bible said during the reign of David, there was a famine for three successive years. So David sought the face of the Lord. Hallelujah. So David, three years of famine, ladies and gentlemen. But David didn't give up because he knew where his help came from, ladies and gentlemen. It was that storm that pushed him toward God. So we don't have anything to eat in the land. There is famine here. But David said, I will seek the face of God. I want you to know when you can't pay your bills, when the doctor gives you a bad report, when there's turmoil and chaos all around you, it's not time to quit church and move away from God. It's time to seek the face of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen. I want to learn in 2018 for my storms to be pushing me toward God, not away from God. About seven years ago, I was speaking at a revival crusade in Enid. It was a Wednesday night. I was in the pastor's office. My phone rang. I didn't recognize the number, so I walked outside of the church to take the call. When I answered the phone, I received word that my mother and father-in-law had been in a car accident, and my mother-in-law did not survive. My mother and father-in-law were pastors in the Tulsa suburb of Bixby, Oklahoma at that time. They had been visiting us. Diana and I at that time lived in the Conway, Arkansas area. Diana had a doctor's appointment. Since I was out of town preaching, my mother-in-law had come over to go to the doctor with her. They were on their way home on Interstate 40 when they hydroplaned. And we lost my mother-in-law that day. The pastor I was with helped me gather my things at my motel, and he brought me down to Oklahoma City. I have a brother that lives here. My brother met me, and he took me to the town of Ozark, Arkansas, which is where the accident happened. My wife was alone. She was all by herself. I didn't want to call and give her that kind of news. So instead, I called our pastors in Arkansas, and I asked them if they could go over and informed my wife that her mom was gone. They did. My brother brought me to Ozark. Our pastors brought Diana to Ozark. We fast forward several hours. We finally got to each other. I'm paying condolences. My sister-in-law, my father-in-law, friends had gathered there. After a few minutes, Diana called me outside. She said, Lynn, I want you to know, 15 minutes after they told me that my mom was gone, the doctor's office called and they found a mass in my stomach. Are you kidding me? We've got that, now we've got this. Let's go. Let's, let's get this taken care of. But my wife said to me, Lynn, no, we're not going to do that. My dad needs us. 
We've got to get through this. Let's help him. I was preaching the funeral. So let's take care of all of this. And then I reluctantly agreed. Because when you hear the word mass, it's not good. It's not good. Again, I fast forward time. We had the funeral. We got my father-in-law settled and situated. And we had gone back home. After a few weeks, my wife said to me, Lynn, I think now I need to go back to the doctor. I need to find out what's going on and what they recommend. We went back. This time I went with her to the appointment and they called us back. They put my wife up on, on this table and they're going to run another x-ray of her stomach. And they, they set me in this chair and where, where I'm seated, I can see the x-rays. I can see the picture of my wife's stomach and the mass on the inside of it. Remember, I'm talking about storms of life. The nurse comes in. They take this instrument and they begin to kind of rub it over my wife's stomach. And I'm watching. I see the x-ray, but I'm watching. And there's nothing there. Now, on the inside, I'm trying to keep it contained. I'm not in the medical field. I don't understand. But I am telling you, something on the inside of me knew something had changed. For you see, People's Church, we had nothing else to do for six weeks except call upon the name of the Lord. We had nothing else to do but pray. We are out of control here. But we had some. Finally, the nurse said to my wife, what are you in here for? She explained the situation out. Why it's taken six weeks for us to get back here because we had lost my mother-in-law. The nurse takes the x-rays, walks out of the room to show the doctor. She walks back in and she said, ma'am, we see the x-ray where there was a mass. Now we see the x-ray where there is no mass. The doctor said, you can get dressed and you can go home. People's Church, can I tell you today that in the worst times of our life, in the storms of our life, we call upon the name of the Lord. It's all we've got, but it's more than enough. It's more than enough. It's more than enough. Seeking the face of God is still our answer. Whatever's going on in the storm of your life, as you're transitioning from one year to the next, can I encourage you? Seek the face of God. He's a God of miracles. He can change the atmosphere. He can change people. And He can change circumstances.